Hey y'all, I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, Jane Fonda is our relationship guru. Greta Gerwig directs the book club remake. And I get to raid Diane Keaton's closet and her boyfriend's house. I'm gonna live there. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television. The glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hello. Hi. Good morning. How are you? I feel like we're like radio, like news anchors here this morning. I know. I feel like we have like, I know, we have our pens, we have our paper, we have our water, we have our headphones. Well, we're back in the studio, so it's a little bit more official now. I know. Wow. We pulled a little bit of a magic, magic move with our previous episodes that were not in the studio. No, they weren't. Secret location. A little look behind the curtain. How are you doing this morning? I feel like I'm good. I can't believe we're doing an episode about this movie, but I'm excited about it. Why can't you believe it? I was just sitting in the theater. I went and saw this movie at a matinee, and the average age of the audience was around the average age. Was anybody in the theater with you? There was five people. Yeah. But it was so awful because before the movie started, like right when the lights went down, and uh, the movie was starting. A woman like went on her phone just to like send a last quick minute text. Mm-hmm. And it's in, like this is the middle of the day on like a Tuesday at one p.m. Like nobody cares. Movie theater rules are just not really applying. Yeah. So this guy was just like, "Put it away." What? And he chastised her in front of the entire theater. In front of all in five t- of you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she was like, "I am putting it away. Thank you very much." And he was just like, "I shouldn't have to tell you." He literally like kept reaming into this woman. What? And I was sitting there kind of in disbelief that this was happening, first of all, because I'm at book club in the middle of a day. Yeah, but like, let's because, all take it right, down a notch. Right. Like, can we just all get on We're the same page? We're all at it. Yeah. Also, this is like a slightly feminist film and you're yelling at a woman right now. Right. Before this starts. It Hashtag was so bad. Too. It was so bad. So she like put her phone away and she's like, I'm texting my aunt to make sure that she like she like made up the story about like. <laughs> how her aunt was not like doing well so she needed to touch base with her and the guy was like i don't care <gasps> wow it was so much. somebody had a lot of rage they were projecting at this woman i feel like he got like turned down by jane fonda back in the 70s and he just went to hate watch this movie or something yeah it was a lot so that kind of like colored how I saw the first 15 minutes of this film. <laughs> well, the first 15 minutes are definitely worth fast forwarding, in my opinion. <laughs> the exposition of like, we're in a scrapbook and we've poorly photoshopped all these women together in these different oh, scenarios. It was so bad. was wild. Yeah, I felt like I was at a sleepover where it's like you just watch the movie and you love it because it's the only thing to watch. And it's yeah. like, I'm so into this movie because we have nothing else to look at right now. <laughs> yeah, where you're just in it, you're in the zone, you're yeah. in the theater. Yeah, I was like fully ready to buy into this movie and just like take whatever came at me. Mm-hmm. I was like very prepared for that. I agree. Although I will say similar to your experience, I also went at a matinee show (laughs) where there were probably I want to say there were like eight people oh wow um but the woman that sat in front of me I don't know I mean like we're we're here for book club like this isn't you know highbrow like like, get over it and so I'm like laughing like out loud or I'm making comments to myself like I'm really enjoying the film and this woman in front of me is like like you think she was dead it was just like 
And I was like, am I being loud? Like, we're not enjoying. Like, some of the scenes were really funny. Yeah, yeah. And it was just, like, silence. And I was like, am I just watching this by myself? (laughs) Maybe they all run podcasts and they have to be taking notes and it's a very serious business to watch book club. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, laughing out loud at places. And I kind of had a similar experience. Although the guy who yelled at the woman... What Definitely. did he, what was his? Loved it. He was like so on board with this movie. He was on oh board. Oh my God. Well, maybe he, he waited, all, sad. He maybe he waited all week to see this movie and was like, nobody is going to intrude my viewing experience. It really felt like he had a personal connection to that film. I think that wow. he was there too. I think he was there to show up. Was he the director? <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's so mad about people using their phones. He was like the an executive producer, oh, just like Jesus. an associate producer, like someone. No, I think he's put into the self-important category, not the actually important category. I think that's where we categorize that man. Yeah. But um, it was shocking, and it really shook me for the first little bit of Book Club. But I settled in quickly to the um, Nancy Myers-esque movie that this was. Man, can we talk about the house? I mean, you brought up Nancy Myers. The houses in this film are so dreamy and to die for. And to be honest, like, I don't really fantasize about California. Like, I don't really get like the vibes and stuff. I don't know why. Maybe New York just seems like the epitome to me of like where you want to be in the energy and stuff. But this film made me want to live in California. Like the the scenes, the sky, the helicopter ride. I mean, it was just gorgeous. It was such a love letter, I think. And the houses. It made me want to live in California with that level of income. Yeah. (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so idealistic. And I think it just like, I lo- what I loved about this movie before we get into completely trashing it or whatever comes on this podcast, um, what I really loved is all these women were so in their element and they were mm-hmm. so like established, successful, beautiful, extremely glossy representations of older women, which yeah. I really loved. I thought that was really fun. Me too. I mean, I think my favorite part of this movie was just the camaraderie of the girl gang yeah. and the sisterhood and... We were talking a little bit before we were recording about like this is like a very homage to Sex in the City of like, you know, these are the, maybe some of the women older. Just there's something great about four women on screen together. Oh, my God. When it was the four women together at their book club, like drinking bottomless glasses of white wine and like laughing and like sharing all of their stories. What I it was just an absolute delight. And what I really loved about it was that they all talked so directly to each other. There were no pleasantries. There was no bullshit. It was like they were there was years of history there. And I I think that they really conveyed that very well. Well, I think kind of in the beginning, it's more they're letting they're also allowing them to be and to to explore and to um, and then kind of towards the end when they start like fucking up like Jane Fonda, you know, self-sabotaging with her love interest, then they then they give you real talk. So it's like I I also like that. It reminded me a little bit of um, Issa Rae's insecure where like the women let the women make mistakes and we're not there to police or judge you it's like support support but when you need it the real talk is coming yeah absolutely i i will say though all of the storylines and maybe this is the point i think that all of like the criticisms of this film need to be like have an asterisk that say like but that's the point of this movie Mm is like the four storylines of the women like i could have done without the mary steenbergen storyline and I could have, like, done with way more Candace Bergen. And I could have done with, like, Jane or Jane Fonda and Diane Keaton are the strongest part of this movie. They are so... Jane Fonda, especially, is just so in her element. And I loved how she was, like, presented herself on screen. I love Diane Keaton because she has such a, like, soft, quirky vibe to her. She always has. Um, 
But all of the storylines together were so thin on the ground that mm. none of them could have carried their own movie. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's the point. I mean, it's very ensemble. It's like the, this is not meant to be an extremely like in-depth portrayal of these women's experiences. But right. I think I could have, I wanted more. I wanted like more, 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 more. I didn't want them all to end up with the person that they end up with. It felt like the ending to me left me feeling very blah after mm-hmm. truly enjoying the like journey of this film. I really loved it until the end where I'm like, you didn't commit to. Well, you know what's interesting about that is I, the only romantic storyline I kind of cared about and because to your point, I think the movie is about the girls mm-hmm. and about their relationship. And it's so fun to just see them on screen together and their joy. You know, it's not really about the men. And yeah. I know that that's what the movie, you know, we're, we're seeing kind of these love stories unfold. But like, do, we don't care. I don't care. I didn't care about Jane Fonda's story. I didn't care about Mary's story. The only person I kind of was interested in was Diane Keaton, because I thought the narrative around her thinking she had to put herself second. Mm-hmm. And when she leaves the, so I guess kind of to backtrack, Diane Keaton's storyline, basically she meets this guy on the plane, which when she meets this man on the plane, she accidentally touches his penis. I burst out laughing so loud. I was like, I cannot. It was hysterical. And I feel like she's, she's so natural on camera that like her reaction was so genuine. Yeah. She was like so embarrassed and we were just like, I was screaming by myself in this theater. I know. I know. (laughs) We should probably backtrack and tell everybody what this movie is about. It's about four women who have a book club. They're all in their 70s and they all have known each other for years and years and years. And they literally are representations of like the Sex and the City cast. Like Candace Bergen is the lawyer. Um, Mary Steenbergen is Charlotte. Um, oh my gosh, look at you go. Diane Keaton's Carrie, because the movie very much centers around Diane Keaton. Yeah. Um, and Jane, Jane Fonda is Samantha. Samantha. Wow. So. <laughs> Holy mother. Um, so it's just about them, like, kind of find. It's like really rekindling their sexuality and, like. Well, they're reading Fifty Shades. Right. And they're, they're like, you know, gals, you know. We've got some great summers left. Like, let's get into it. Let's, like, rekindle and, like, find our sexuality again, yeah, basically, is the and mantra. reconnect with our partners and find new partners. And, and just get out there just and get be out open. There. Yeah, I loved the message around Candace Bergen's character, especially. She gets on Bumble, and she starts in online dating. And I loved the, that the payoff for her was not in finding I, anyone. It was just putting herself out there. Can I, I say, so though, that one of my biggest qualms problems with this movie is I felt like the men specifically um Candace Bergen I felt like they were not attractive enough for these women Mm. and I felt like we needed to like level up with some like handsome men yeah like I felt like that was a bit iffy I thought you know the one guy that plays Mary's husband is like a classic actor yeah but like you know she even her husband is like super hot like let's give these women you know like actual like, let's give him some beefcake. Like, what the hell? Yeah, I wanted, like, a Tom Selleck to come up or, like... Yeah, give us some really great old foxes. Yes. Right. Why are we putting Candace Bergen with, like, this... And God bless him, he was adorable. He was charming. It was a great kind of first date. But, like, yeah, give us give us a little something here. I love the Sex and the City reference. When I never remember this actor's name, but he's in The Princess Bride. He's the guy who goes, like, inconceivable in The Princess Bride. Oh, yeah, Bride. yeah, yeah. And he plays Silas in Sex and the City, and they... They date at the end of Sex in the City, and he showed up in this film, and I was like, such a good reference. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I felt like he's cute. but I like, think that was purely just for fan fan service. Yeah. 
Um, but I agree. And I think more, I feel like older men would never have been paired with like anybody lesser than, do you know what I mean? Oh, a thousand percent. Jane Fonda is like gorgeous. They are all gorgeous in this movie. The production of it with the clothes that they put them in, the makeup, like they just looked. Can we talk about Jane Fonda's wig? They looked like movie stars. Um, well, she just kept it from Mother's Day. She just transferred that wig over from Mother's Day, I feel. And I was not here for it. I felt like this was one of the hardest things for me to get through in this film because I, Jane Fonda is such a, the most, is the most beautiful woman, I would say, definitely in the world. And this wig, I don't know, I just couldn't, I couldn't get past the red. I didn't even mind the cut of it so much. I just, it felt like such a wild card move. I, I, I saw it as the opposite. It felt lazy to me of we're mm. making her the fiery redhead. Oh, I see. That's so annoying. It's yeah. like, we don't need to do that. We can make her, it made her look very fake. Mm. And I think that that. It kind of took me her. out of it. Yeah. It was like, why are we? Yeah, I agree. Why? I agree. No, I completely agree with you. And but, I, go ahead. But to go back to our Diane Keaton um, story, which we've got all entangled in with the whole plot, but. Um, I liked the, her relationship of kind of meeting this guy, you know, wanting to kind of create space for this relationship. And then she has these two daughters who live in um, Arizona. So she's kind of flying in and out to meet them. And basically, they want her to move in with her. Mm-hmm. They want her to be in the basement, be safe, like so they can keep an eye on her, blah, blah, blah. And like she wants to live her life. Yeah. And she's like having this affair with this guy. And at one point, the daughters come and like get her because she hasn't answered her phone for 48 hours which i can imagine would be really scary if you didn't know where your parents were right um so anyway they track her down they go to this guy's gorgeous villa and they like take their mom back and i was like this woman is an adult i I felt so much pain for her in that moment of like even thinking like oh she had to follow the path that her daughters were setting out for her yeah that was the only storyline that felt like really needy to me and to your point maybe she was the carry Maybe they were really building the... Is she the narrator as well? No, Mary Steenburgen was the narrator. Oh. I think. Oh, I no, it was, Diane, it was Diane Keaton. It was Diane Keaton. Because she like ends with just like, and that's me, and da-da-da-da-da. We're going to have to fact check that. All right. Well, who well, cares? Well, it's, it's book club. Is yeah. anything fact checked? <laughs> um, I actually really loved the storyline with her daughters because I saw so much of like my tendency to kind of do that to my mom. Mm. I'm just like... Like, what are you up to today? Like, what do you have going on? Maybe you should do this. Like, like parenting them a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And projecting all of, like, because I live on the other side of the country, I think it's, like, I um, sometimes I'm, like, oh, well, like, are you going to, like, are you feeling lonely? <laughs> like, I'm always just, like, kind of, like, trying to, like, pick You want your mom, mom to live in your basement? That's right, what you're saying? Right, right. That would be nice. But, um so I kind of like saw myself in the crazy daughters, which wow. was not something I was expecting. When Diane Keaton's sitting in her gorgeous backyard and she's having a glass of wine and she's like eating dinner. No, she's not even eating dinner. She's just drinking wine. No, she's having dinner alone. And they're like, oh, you're having oh, dinner yeah. alone. I do that sometimes to my mom. I'm just like, <laughs> how are you feeling? And she's like, I'm fine. How are you feeling? Like, go have a nap or something. Oh but my gosh. Um, I definitely sometimes sometimes slip into that with my mom so I was like that felt really real to me Mm. which I wasn't expecting wow I know like a book club um telling our truths I just have to name that the other factor to me of this film about the men is like Don Johnson plays Jane Fonda's love interest and I wanted to crawl out of my skin because he is Dakota Johnson's father 
who was obviously in all the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. And it just like felt so fucking weird to me that he needed to be a part of this film. Because mm. it's like such obviously like a hypersexual topic. I any of the Fifty Shades <sighs> movies. So I feel like I that was not like anything that connected for me or felt yeah. weird. I know. And like maybe I'm like being way too overly sensitive to this. But I had Armageddon vibes of like when Steve Tyler, you know, did all the soundtrack to Armageddon. And Ben Affleck and Liv Tyler are like having all their romance scenes on camera. And I'm like, ick, 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 ick. Yeah. We're like hearing Steve Tyler's voice and seeing Liv Tyler. And I'm in like this sex scene. And I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever witnessed. That's true. That's the vibe I got from having Don Johnson in this film. God, I loved Armageddon. Did you? Loved it. I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way through. I think I was in like third grade and it was everything. Ben Affleck was like, oh, I mean, so attractive. Yeah. It's a real prime. Mm hmm. It was great. The jawline on Ben Affleck in that film is something to be. We could do a whole episode about it if we felt like it. it. Yeah. It's a great cast. What do you think of Liv Tyler? I don't really have any thoughts or opinions. I want to have an opinion about her because she's been around for so long. I loved her in Lord of the Rings. Oh my god, she's so good as Arwen. Hello. Her ears and her everything. eyes. Her she's like beautiful. dewy eyes. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I loved it. I really also loved how they built out that storyline. Not a lot of people were here for it because it doesn't exist in the book, but her love story with Aragon is something that really shaped who I am today. Really? Sure. Nerd alert. Everyone liked Everyone liked the Lord of the Rings movies, I think. Oh, for sure. Everyone liked Orlando Bloom. Every- oh, yeah. But I didn't because I look like him. So uh, the long blonde hair, I was like, this is too You know, weird. I usually am not attracted to a blonde either, but I did was all in for him. But not Ryan Gosling, surprisingly. I know. I was, just gonna, I was just going to bring up the, the blonde that you are not here for at all. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Well, Aragon was, my, was mine. Everybody likes him, yeah. Everybody did not like him. No, I think they did. I was younger than you, so maybe it's like everyone for Orlando Bloom and everyone thought I was. Well, I think a you're weirdo. you're in one camp or the other. Yeah. Well, because one is so pretty and the other is yeah. so rugged. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of this like best of both worlds. I love it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the we Don should Johnson. do our top ten like movie heartthrobs at some point. Oh my god! We'll do a real deep dive. May we? Yeah, let's do yes, it. Yes, please. <laughs> I would love that episode. Um, yeah, so that just didn't feel... The men to me in this movie were very off. Andy Garcia was like such a wild card to me because I would not have cast him in this film. I thought he I, was great. I thought he was great. He was great. Although he needed to be a little bit more... Uh, I just wanted him... He has a scene after uh, Diane Keaton's kids come together at his house where he's like, what? Like, are you like a grown woman? Like, what's going on here? Come on, Diane. Also, her name is Diane in the movie, which just blew my mind. It is? Mm-hmm. He calls her Diane at one point. I was like, was that a mistake? <laughs> <laughs> he just left in? <laughs> Wait, I have a Diane Keaton um, quandary. I don't even know what that means. Because when we're watching it, I just kept thinking of her defending Woody Allen, and it really icked me. Have you seen Annie Hall? Yeah. Do you like it? Yeah, I don't, Woody Allen, I feel like I came to Woody Allen so late in the game that there was already a lot going on, and I feel like really shadowed the way that I viewed uh, his art. Yeah, same. I watched all, I watched Annie Hall, my mom, my mom made me aware of his whole background, his whole history, which is interesting, like she obviously felt it was like very important for me to know that watching this movie, mm. and all of his movies subsequently. Yeah. So... 
I really like Annie Hall. Well, which, I'm not saying you can't like Annie no, Hall. I'm just saying, like, not knowing what we know now about Woody Allen, right. for her to defend him. Well, she it made her famous. I'm sure she feels <laughs> such an incredible amount of gratitude and servitude to him. For sure. I don't think that she can... I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It still irked me, though. I think it just shows, like, the playing of the game in Hollywood mm. and how much You think she's is. playing the game? Well, I think but that she's Diane she Keaton at never... this point. She doesn't really need to play the game anymore. Yeah, but just because we see her as Diane Keaton, this incredible movie star, she sees herself as an actress who was take somebody took a chance on her, and that person was Woody Allen. Wow, wow, wow! And you know, I think that she's never going to talk shit about someone who gave her arguably the most iconic role in film mm. and launched her career. Yeah. So, do you think she styles herself? Yes, she does. Does she? Yes. She does. Because she's wearing the exact same outfits. Yes. They just like let her be her like little bag lady self. And I was so into it. Yeah. When she comes out of the closet going on her date with Andy Garcia and she's wearing that like trench coaty plaids like sweater poncho thing. I buckled over laughing. They're all like, hey, you need to put something a little bit sexier on. Mm-hmm. And here's Jane Fonda with like her boobs like pushed up to her chin and all these leopard print gorgeous dresses. And I'm like, this Can is so much fun. Can we talk about how hot Jane Fonda's body is in this movie? Yeah. She is just like so stunning, like in every dimension. Well, you've met her in real life. It's so upsetting. Was she pretty in real life? You know, I saw her speak at TED Women, and then we saw her very briefly kind of in the crowd. With Lily Tomlin. But I was so starstruck. I don't, nothing really registered. Yeah. I mean, she's very tiny. So I want Book Club to be remade. (laughs) I would like them to make 15 more of these movies. I want Lily Tomlin in it. Mm, I feel like we have so much with Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin. Let them do their own thing. See, I don't watch Grace and Frankie, so I don't feel that exhaustion. that's your problem. We've got four seasons. Get into it. Can we get Peter Gallagher in the book club remake? He's already in. I know, but I need more. RuPaul is for in it for fuck's sake, Diana. Come on. I couldn't. How are you not watching it? I couldn't do it. It felt Why? so contrived to me because I didn't believe the premise. I don't believe in the story. Did you therefore. just watch the first season? Uh, yeah. If you don't have, if I have to watch a season of your show and you still don't have me, I'm not coming back for season two. I was going to say, the season two is kind of worth skipping, then you could jump right back into season three. There are three seasons of this? Yeah. Good God. They started a business. They started a vibrating company. It's hysterical. A vibrator company? Yeah. Oh my God. That's like their thing now is they're entrepreneurs. (laughs) They're in like these startup spaces and they like hate everyone. It's great. Well, that's kind of fun. And RuPaul in the next season is going to be their um, competitor. Really? Yeah, they're enemies. Okay, I might come in for season four then. I might just watch the scenes of Jane Fonda and Peter Gallagher because I love him so much. He's very cute in this too. Oh, come on. Center stage. And he like takes her on like limo, right? Like it's very like aspirational romantic. I like that we're like channeling the summer NYC vibes and we're just talking about all these hot older men. (laughs) (laughs) We go where the podcast takes us. We do need to do a heartthrobs Bettys, I'd like to know who your heartthrobs are, too. Yeah, I want to know your heartthrobs. I also want to know the ones that you, like, giggle and turn beet red at because you're kind of, like, embarrassed about liking them. I think those are the interesting ones. Mm. Everyone likes likes the young somethings, but I want to know, like, who you're into. Who your silver foxes are. Yeah. I did not realize Andy Garcia is a silver fox. I know I keep reinstating this, but... He looked so young 17 years ago in well, Ocean's Eleven. Well, I feel 11. like he also, like, he was meant to be her, like, younger lover. 
in my mind. That's how I saw their relationship. Oh, really? Yeah. He is definitely younger than her, but I saw them as, she looks so young, Diane Keaton hasn't aged a date, that I just kind of saw them as the same. Yeah, I thought he was kind of like her little. She's also so tiny. Yeah, she's tiny too. Those little black pants, when she was on the phone with him outside of the restaurant, I was like, tiny. Yeah. So little. But I agree. I think that if this had been made with men, we would have gotten like way younger, hotter. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah, agreed. Um, What else? Could have done without Don Johnson. I'm just going to restate that. Um, I feel like, so we're talking about Fifty Shades of Grey. Did you read the book? I did, yeah. Did you like it? You know, it's a good question. I remember at the time thinking it was fun and then thinking it was gar Like, it was so boring. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Like, the sex scenes are fun, but it's like the exposition is like so boring. You kind of have to skim. <laughs> yes, a thousand And then percent. the second, and th- I mean just burn them they're not even worth opening i don't think yeah the The storyline is just not there i think that's what i like struggled with with this movie again maybe that's the point but it just felt so tame if Mm. we're gonna talk about like sexual liberation i want to see these women like sexually liberate and candace bergen does hook up with that guy in the back of the car i loved that scene it was everything and he's like takes off the spanks and he's like i think these are yours Um, but I wanted it to like be a little I bit thought, more you HBO. Know, Diane Keaton had a couple of good scenes, right? With Andy Garcia. No, yeah, no, kind of. She was. We like, didn't even really get Jane Fonda in her. No. Do they even kiss on screen? No. They, they might have kissed. They were kind of. She was showing like the tamer, like they were falling in love, kind of a. They had I like did a different not want energy. Love. I did not want the love situation, the love yeah. companionship. We also angle. could have seen a montage of Jane Fonda just like fucking around. Right. Since she's like, you know, in her thigh high boots and she's like, I don't get involved. I'm not going to fall in love. Like, let's see a montage of her like being Samantha. Oh, my God. Would have been great. I would have been living for it. Then we could have thrown in some beefcake in that montage. She could have been hooking up with like 20 somethings. Yeah. I'd be so down for it. But yeah, to me, this movie, it like felt like they didn't quite. I mean, maybe the audience, given (laughs) given the average age of the audience, maybe this was enough Mm -hmm. and they didn't want it to be like too raunchy, too salacious. But I was like. You want a little so more. So ready for more. Yeah. Yeah. Mary Steenburgen. I wanted more. More, 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 more. The payoff her, her was the dance was with her like, husband. Are ugh. you kidding me? I thought it was kind of sweet. No. Honestly, when I was watching it, I was into it. But no. I just wanted him to be cuter. Her husband is so cute. What's her husband's name again? I don't even He's know. He's the lead in The Good Place that I can... Ted Danson. Oh, in real life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's married to Ted Danson. I thought you meant the Couldn't guy in the movie. Ted Danson in this movie? We could have had Ted Danson. Come Let's on. just bring out all the old hotties. Like, oh, they all get a job <laughs> for this one. I love it. What else are they doing? Let's hire them all back. Do we think Ted Danson's hot? I do. He's maintained himself quite well. I think he's cute. Yeah. Okay. He's cuter than her husband in the movie, whose name I can't remember. I thought he was, like, very well matched to her. Well, he's trying to play like a dumpy like husband who yeah. doesn't want to sleep with his wife. Right. So it was like such a sad energy. And he's like working on the bike. Ugh. Oh my god, the scene where he's talking about Ugh. working on the bike and they're like making it a sexual innuendo and all the like ladies She's are in, laughing. Like, her cute outfit. So funny. So funny. Also, was this was this movie like sponsored by a winery? There's a lot of wine there was drinking. So much wine in this movie. Yeah. Well, it's dark times. People are really <laughs> self-medicating. I think that they were, like, giving us all permission to, like, have a pour a glass or five. Well, maybe they think you're going to watch this movie over a glass and 
whatever. The other thing I wanted them to lean in a little bit more on is the fact that they were bringing up such like radically feminist viewpoints in their book club. Like Mary Steenburgen says men ruin everything. And Jane Fonda is talking about like how we don't need men. And like, it's just, they brought up such interesting feminist perspectives and then didn't pursue them. And then the whole payoff was the love interests and them finding these partners. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there was kind of a dissonance in, I wanted more of seeing these women like step into their radical feminism and less of the payoff being them finding their life partners. Well, I think in a weird way, the paradox of them being open to partners was kind of feminist in their brains. Like with Candace Bergen's Mm -hmm. like whole character was like, I'm okay, I'm fine, I'm gonna take care of myself. And so for her to step out of that bubble to like be open to people and to be open to relationships and kind of same with Jane Fonda, I think there was like that idea of like, oh, like I'm gonna have disposable sex with these guys, I'm not gonna let anybody in. Mm -hmm. I think them being emotionally vulnerable was kind of their growth per se. I would have loved to have seen that emotional vulnerability, the payoff it with it bringing them closer together and like even strengthening their, I want the friendships to me were everything in this film. And I could have like, I did not care about them finding partners. I wanted them to get like stronger. They almost could together. have just been building a house or finding jobs. Like it could have yeah. been about anything. Really. Yeah. It was kind of frustrating to me. Can we also, I just need to like, I just need to name like a very technical issue with it that I had with this film. Um, so Candace Bergen goes on Bumble to internet dates and mm-hmm. she's getting all these messages from guys, yeah. but guys can't message first on Bumble, oh. which I thought was like kind of a weird oversight because she's like shocked at how many men are interested in her, but well, they maybe can't she message. sent the first message, but she didn't cause she's like shocked. Oh, like she's like so surprised that she's getting well, all maybe this they'd feedback. Rather su- I feel like they'd probably rather support Bumble than Tinder though. No, then they need to just like rewrite it a little bit just... because Bumble's whole thing is that right, women right. reach out first and the ball is in their court to make the first move. Yeah. Well, Which maybe. again would have been such a foul, like it's such a feminist power play. And I wanted to see that be Can the storyline really there, not that? her being surprised that she's like attractive to men. I hear you. Just had to name that. Fair enough. The scene where she's like in her chambers and like the love stuff is coming up and her assistant's like, uh, do you need something? And she's like, no, get out. It's like the perfect match is just around the corner. And he's like, oh my God, what is happening right now with my boss? Um, but that's it. I feel like, do we want people to go see this movie? I mean, I thought it was super fun. It was great to see these iconic women on screen together. I yeah. think it's definitely worth a a check out a rent, however people want to see it. Take your girlfriends though, like make it really fun. Yeah. Like go with a good group. I guess we both had kind of sad movie theater experiences. Because <laughs> people so are getting gonna yelled do it, at like, at watch my it with a pack. Like I would love to like have my mom, my aunt see this movie. Like yeah. they die. Yeah. I want to watch it with my mom too. That's the first thing I thought about. Love it. Cool. Any other thoughts or feelings? No. It was all right. It was fun. All right. Well, then I guess the time's come to say goodbye. But before we go, be sure sure to rate us and review us on iTunes. And give us all the stars and comments and subscribe. Yeah, for sure. And if you want Diane and I to review or rate anything or you need unsolicited advice about your life, don't hesitate to reach out at beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, Kent, for spending all of your Wednesdays with us. And thank you so much to the Atlantic Transmission Transmission Podcast Network. (laughs) It's a a rough exit. Happy Feminist Wednesday. Bye. Bye.
guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production.